0: This week I'm very lucky to be traveling with my family and and I thought to myself, maybe I'll skip the podcast this week. I won't do a practical Parsha podcast for this week. And then I thought to myself, how could I do that? How could I leave you another week without insights on the Torah portion, especially when this week's Parsha, Parsha's bow, has so many fundamental ideas for us to learn from. And being that I had something prepared in my mind, I decided that I'm going to sit down and share with you some thoughts on the Parsha so you can enjoy, and we will keep the streak going. We won't, God willing, miss a week. And if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at rabbishalomakom with a K at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Bow. And we're in the culmination of the plagues and the Jews leaving from Egypt. Just a quick overview of the Parsha. The Parsha starts off telling us about the 8th plague, which is the plague of the locusts. The Torah continues with the ninth plague, which is darkness that strikes Egypt. And Paro, he refuses to let the Jewish people go. And finally, the 10th plague. Moshe Rabbeinu warns Paro that there'll be a the death of the firstborn. And Paro tells Moshe Rabbeinu never to come back to him again in his palace. Little does he know that he will be now searching for Moshe after the plague of the firstborn. The Torah tells us the first commandment that God gives to the Jewish people, which is the commandment of Rosh Chodesh, to sanctify the new month. And the Jewish calendar is different than the Gregorian calendar because... The calendar that we use in the secular world is based off the solar the solar year. It goes by the sun, 365 days in the year. And the Jewish calendar is primarily based off the lunar year, which is based off the moon. We go according to the moon, and therefore, every two or three times, every seven years, we have a leap year to put us back into sync, that the months should always stay in the same place, the holidays should be in the same times of year. But we have that commandment that God gives us that commandment in this week's Parsha. The Torah also tells us the next commandment that Hashem gives the Jewish people, which is the Pesach, the Pesach offering, the Paschal Lamb. Torah tells us how we are supposed to do it, the different laws of the Pesach offering. And finally, the Parsha finishes with a description of how the Jews will leave Egypt, as well as a commandment that we have to remember... The Exodus and how Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim, and He took us out of Egypt. The Torah also commands us to redeem our firstborn sons. And finally, the last commandment in this week's parsha is the commandment of Tefillin and its relation to the Exodus. The first idea which I wanted to share this week is really jumps into this this um, mitzvah, the first mitzvah of Hachodesh Hazelachem which is the mitzvah of Rosh Chodesh. So as I mentioned before, the Jewish year is based primarily off of the moon. And what would happen during the times of the temple is that whenever the new moon would be seen, the first person who would see the moon or the first pair of witnesses that would see the moon would come to the temple in Jerusalem to testify to the sages and only then could the sages declare the Sanhedrin, the great, the, the Supreme Court of the Jewish people, could declare that a new month would begin? And they would ask different questions. What did you see and how did you see it? And just to, to ascertain whether or not the person was telling the truth. And um, the significance of Rosh Chodesh is really very deep on on a practical level It shows us how much time is worth in Judaism. If the Jewish court doesn't proclaim Rosh Chodesh, does not proclaim that it's a new month, so then no calendar could be established. Without a calendar, there could be no festivals. Without festivals, we can't do certain mitzvos. And we're very dependent on time. And it's interesting, if you look in the history, during Chanukah, the persecution of the Syrian Greeks against the Jewish people, there were three persecutions that the Greeks specifically went after when it came to the Jewish people. One was Shabbos. The second was Brismila circumcision. And the third was Rosh Chodesh. That to them, the celebration and the mitzvah of Rosh Chodesh was on an equal plane with the observance of Shabbos and with the observance of circumcision, because without time, we're not able to do many things. And it really brings to an important point, because in Judaism, there's a tremendous focus on time. If you look at, obviously, the calendar, there's certain dates during, throughout the year that have certain obligations that we have on those dates. We have to build a sukkah, on the 15th of Tishrei. We have to have matzah on the 15th of Nisan. We have to blow a shofar on the 1st of Tishrei. We have to have Yom Kippur on the 10th of Tishrei. We have certain mitzvos which are dependent in the calendar. If you do those mitzvos on different days, you have not accomplished anything. And that's just on a yearly basis. You take it more on a weekly basis. Every seventh day is Shabbos. And if you look on a daily basis, we daven three times a day. The davenings we do have to be by a certain time. Shachars have to be davened by a certain time. Mincha, the afternoon prayer, has to be davened by a certain time. The evening prayer has to be prayed by a certain time. You only have a certain amount of time to do each prayer. And each, a lot of observances that we do are also limited to time. And it brings back to this focus of time how time is important. You know, there's um, a rabbi that I know, he always says, that when people say, let's burn, let's kill time, it bothers him tremendously. And he's really right, because that's the worst thing a person can do, just to kill time. We need to be productive with our time, use time wisely. When I was in Yeshiva in Brooklyn, in Yeshiva Darachayim, the Yeshiva was founded under the direction of Rabbi Chaim Pincha Scheinberg who was a great Torah sage who lived in Israel. He actually was American-born. And the Rosh Hashivas, the deans of my yeshiva, were students of Rabbi Chaim Pinchas Scheinberg. So when Rabbi Scheinberg would come to America to fundraise or for other different reasons, he would come to the yeshiva and he would be asked to give an inspirational talk to the boys. And although I was never there for this shmooze that they call it in yeshiva, this talk that he gave to the bachrim. I was told and the rabbis that were there always told over to us that one of his famous schmoozen that he would give, one of his famous pep talks, his famous talks that he would give to the yeshiva was on time. And the whole schmooze, the whole talk was one word. Again and again and again. And it went like this. Time, 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 time. Time, 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 time. And what he was trying to do was trying to impress upon the boys, upon the students in the yeshiva, the importance of time. We only have a certain amount of time on this world. And the time we have on this world is our opportunity to gather mitzvos, to get everything we can till we go to the next world. And in the next world, we don't have that opportunity to amass the mitzvos and the Torah that we do now in this physical world. So we live for 70 years, 80 years, 90 years, right? 100 years, right? This is this generation. 100 is the new 90, 90 is the new 80, and 80 is the new 70. So we have more time, but the point is is how much of the time that we have do we utilize in the proper way? And Rosh Chodesh really brings us to this message, to this idea that time is precious, time is sanctified. As the, as the Sanhedrin would say, that time is sanctified. We're not looking to kill time, we want to use time wisely. And on a deeper level, Rosh Chodesh also symbolizes to us a sense of renewal, that we base our year and our months off the moon. We know that the moon waxes and wanes bigger smaller smaller bigger and every month it's the same cycle at first there's no moon and then suddenly the moon appears and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger bigger until it gets full and then it starts getting smaller again and represents a the jewish cycle for our nation that even though we've we've got put down and we've been persecuted and we've almost been exterminated but we still keep coming back up again. We still keep fulfilling. We're like the moon. That although we shrink down, but we have this cycle where we come back big and beautiful again. And this is going to be till Mashiach comes. And on a personal level as well, this is a very inspirational message because a person must always realize there's always a time where we can renew ourselves. It's not just by New Year's. It's not just Rosh Hashanah. It's every month and really even every day. And Rosh Chodesh helps us recognize that we we could start again. That just like it's a new month, so too it's a new day. That even if the last month didn't go as well as we wanted it to go, didn't go as, you know, we didn't do as well as we could have, so now we have a new opportunity. We have a new chance to start again and to be even better than before. To let the past be in the past and now focused directly on the future. And that's another deeper idea from Rosh Chodesh. The second idea I want to share with you is based off of a lengthy exposition that the Ramban on his commentary to the Torah in this week's Parsha explains. And the Ramban, just to give a little background, was Nachmanides, Ramoshe ben Nachman. He lived in the 1200s And his commentary on Chomish has become one of the go-tos for for any scholar on Chomish. And he explains in this week's Parsha a fundamental idea. And to synopsize a little bit the different ideas that he expresses, I want to explain it in two questions, and we'll give answers to those two questions. And the two questions that I want to ask are, number one, why is it necessary for God to perform miracles? Why did God have to do all these miracles in Egypt? The 10 plagues, the splitting of the Yamsuf, which is going to be in next week's Parsha, the splitting of the Red Sea. These open miracles. Why did he do it? And number two is, why is there such an emphasis on the story of the Exodus in Judaism? We know that we have Pesach, we have Passover, we celebrate going out of Egypt. But it's not just on Pesach that we mention the Exodus. Every day, twice a day, in the morning and the night, we say the Shema prayer where there's a mention of the Exodus. In our Tefillin, which is the reason why the Ramban brings down this this essay here is because the mitzvah of Tefillin is directly connected to the Exodus in this week's Parsha, and the two of the four parshios, two of the four paragraphs that are inside our to fill in, are listed in this week's parsha, and it has to deal with the Exodus. And when we go through our doors and our houses, there's a mezuzah on the door, and inside of that it talks about Yitzias Mitzrayim. It talks about the Exodus. And when we make kiddish Friday night, we say in the kiddish it's a remembrance to the exodus of Egypt and many many examples where we're constantly reminding ourselves about the exodus from Egypt and the miracles that happened during that time and the Ramban explains that as soon as the world was created not too long after idolatry was introduced to humanity and there were some people who denied God. And it's even today the same way. There are people who deny God. There are others, probably the majority of people, many people, they say that they believe in God, but they say that, you know, the world's on autopilot. God is not in the details. He doesn't care about the small stuff. You know, he just set it. He set the world on play and it's going by itself. The Ramban tells us that the exodus and miracles that God performed through Moshe Rabbeinu, that when he commanded Moshe to perform the miracles as an agent of Hashem, as agent of God, and that's how Moshe performed the miracles. He said every time he attributed it back to Hashem, because it was God who was doing the miracles, he was only the shliach, the messenger, to perform it, it dispelled the incorrect notions to the rest of humanity that God doesn't exist. When something happens that's out of the rules of nature, an open miracle, it proves that there's a God in the world and that God is intimately involved in each and every one of our lives. And that's why miracles are important. And that's why the Exodus is important. And the Ramban also explains, he says, you might ask, so why doesn't God Make miracles for every generation. Let it be known right now he should do a miracle. And the answer to that is that we have free will. If Hashem would perform open miracles just because any person who had a lack and belief of, in God would question God and all of a sudden a miracle would happen. If a person says, God, make a miracle. Make an open miracle. And boom. It would happen, like a genie, there would be no free will. We wouldn't have a choice to do good or evil. There would only be a choice to do good. Because when it's so revealed that God exists in the world to a point where there's always open miracles, so then it's, there's no decision to make. It's obvious that there's an Hashem. So therefore, in order to give us choice, but yet at the same time to demonstrate that there is a creator in the world, and that he is intimately involved in every aspect of the world. He's intimately involved in our lives. Everything that goes on, Hashem performed miracles by the Exodus. Through Moshe Rabbeinu, his messenger. And that showed to humanity, it showed to everybody that God rules the world. And he rules it every day. It's not just going by itself. And that's why it's so intrinsic to our religion, that we always are drawing back from that experience that we had as a nation from its Ryan. And that's why we're constantly remembering the Exodus. And we have it on our doors and our mezuzah and in our tefillin. And when we, we talk about it in the Shema every day and on Shabbos in the Kiddush, we're always going back to that moment, to that point of time where it was obvious to everybody that God is running the world. And we use that to draw our faith and to keep ourselves strong throughout the generations to this mindset that Hashem is ruling the world and Hashem is in charge. And he concludes his essay by saying something very powerful. That when a person decides he wants to put on tefillin, he's testifying to the fact that Hashem is ruling the world. That just for a that action of rapping to fill in, you're you're thinking, you're you're testifying, you're saying to everybody that God's in charge. You're doing it because Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. And when we say those words, Zeichalatia Mitzrayim, it's a testament to the exodus from Egypt. What we're in turn saying is that Hashem is in charge. God is in charge. Because of what happened in Egypt, that proved to everybody, it proves to us. That we know Hashem rules the world. And it's not just to fill in. Any mitzvah that we do, we are testifying to the fact. When we learn Torah that God has commanded us to learn, we are showing that we believe in Hashem and that He's controlling the world. And to, to conclude this idea, one of the points of having open miracles is really to help us realize and recognize the hidden miracles as well. Because why is it more of a miracle that the sea can split or that water can turn into blood or frogs or the, any of the 10 plagues than a heart beating, than an eye seeing, than you know a lung breathing? Then all these miracles that we have in creation, they're just as much of, of a miracle. It's just that it's quote-unquote nature. But when we appreciate, we see the open miracles, it helps us recognize and remember that the, quote-unquote, nature is also a miracle as well, and it helps us keep that focus that we're totally in Hashem's hands. So with that, I'm going to finish for today's podcast. I hope you all enjoyed. If you have any questions, comments, or just would like to say hello, please feel free to send me an email at rabbishalomakonwithak at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Everyone, have a great day.